Christians this morning. The title of the message this morning is Don't Dishonor Christ and His People. And it's written to the Christian, believe it or not, to those that call the name of Christ. <clears throat> this is one of those passages that we could delve into for weeks. But I'm not going to do that to you today. I'm going to give you where the rubber meets the road yet again. Before we do that, let's talk about a Sunday school teacher. Now, this particular Sunday school teacher was discussing the Ten Commandments with her five and six-year-olds. Miss Amanda could probably relate to that. And today is, by the way, Family Sunday. We do that once a quarter. Kids stay with us. But anyway, this Sunday school teacher was discussing the Ten Commandments with her five and six-year-olds. And after explaining the commandments to honor thy father and thy mother, she asked, Is there a commandment that teaches us how to treat our brothers and sisters? And without missing a beat, one little boy, the oldest of a family, answered, Thou shalt not kill. I'm sure elder siblings can relate to that. Today we're back in the book of James, and James was written by the half-brother of Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary, written in the early 40s, and I mean not the 1940s, I mean the 40s. Uh, he wrote to primarily Jews, who were, <clears throat> who were the Christians at this time, and it was so early that Christianity hadn't really spread beyond Jerusalem, it hadn't been widely adopted by the Greeks, also known as the Gentiles, so he writes to those living abroad. James chapter 2, verse 1 is where we're going to start today. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James, and it says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings, in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit there at my footstool, have you not shown partiality among yourselves, and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well, but if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law, and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today that though we don't move by feelings, sometimes you give them to us anyway. God, as the prophet said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. And Lord, I add, woe is me if I don't let it out. God, I thank you 
that your word is a fire burning off the things in our lives that don't belong, that you are making us new, you are making us holy, you are sanctifying us day by day. Lord, we praise you. We praise you, Lord. Help us, God, in our ignorance to become more like you, to be the reflection of your glory, of who you are, Lord Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place and we ask that you would change us, that you would give us an excitement about what Jesus has done, that we would return to our first love, Lord, and that people would be drawn in because of you, not because of a program or an outreach, but because of what you're doing in our lives and in our midst. Oh God, send us the workers that you have desired for us, Lord, from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And we'll thank you for it all in advance in Jesus' mighty name. The strong Son of God in the church said, Amen. Today's life principle is don't show favoritism. Don't dishonor others because the price is just too high. Don't dishonor Christ by showing favoritism to people. James chapter 2, verse 1, and we're going to go through 4 and stop for a minute. It says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, You sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You know, here in this scripture, God gives us a command. What is that command? He says, don't hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Now, the term used for partiality can be translated as favoritism. Do not show favoritism. Luke 20 verse 21 says, Then they asked him, saying, Teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly, and you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. Jesus does not show personal favoritism. Romans 2.11 says, For there is no partiality with God. To us today, we don't see that as a sin. We see that as networking. We see that as politics in the church. Well, let me tell you something, dear Christian. That is a sin. It is favoritism. It is a sin. And we're going to see that later in even more detail. But think about what partiality causes, what favoritism causes in a church. It causes division, and it causes fighting amongst the brethren. It causes factions within the church. It is evil with evil intentions. It causes the haves and the have-nots to become separated in the church, and the have-nots get angry and leave. We see this distinction most clearly in larger churches. But guess what? I got some news for you. It's in all churches, the smaller and the bigger alike. Did you know it happens in denominations amongst pastors as well? And I'll give you an example of that in a minute. 
James gives us an example right here that had become a problem for the brethren in his day. Verse 2 through 4, For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, You sit here in a good place. Say to the poor man, You stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? In this example, people would come in for a meal. We would call that in the Southern Baptist Convention fellowship dinner. That's just fancy words for we're going to eat. Now at this time it was Jewish custom that the person with the most social standing, which oftentimes had the most money, would sit closest to the head of the table next to the person hosting the meal. And if you were at the head of the table and someone shows up and they're of a higher class than you are, you were expected to move whether they were expected or unexpected. You had to get up and move to make room for them. Now, that's just wrong. You know, this kind of thing was being carried over to the believers. And James tells us that's wrong. You see, this was often done because it was thought that if you treat the rich person or the person with the highest social status better, that is, the rich person well, you might actually get something from them. Maybe a crumb or something from their table. Something like status or a contribution to your work or dare say I, to your ministry. This is unfortunately the same thing that happens in churches and parachurch organizations today. It definitely happens in secular society. We see it all the time. Thus, James calls them judges with evil thoughts. Wow! And we're supposed to have our mind renewed by the washing of the water of the Word. And he calls them judges with evil thoughts. You know what? They are. It's all about selfishness and what can I get? This is why the health and wealth gospel is so popular today. It feeds on people's desires. It creates the haves and the have-nots, so much so that people will lie about each other to get next to the so-called minister that's teaching or preaching. That is evil. This, according to Scripture, should not be tolerated within the church. We need to keep in mind our actions. Are we doing something because of what we can get out of someone? If so, then we need to repent immediately of that in our lives. Don't wait. Repent now. Now I'm about to tell you, I'm about to let you in. Shh. Don't tell anybody, even though it's being recorded and it's being sent out all over the world. Shh. About to let you in on the worst kept secret in the Southern Baptist Convention. Are you ready? The worst kept secret in our Southern Baptist Convention. It happens in the denomination all the time. Did you know the quickest way for a minister to be blackballed in our denomination is to break the denomination's 11th commandment? You ready? Here it is. Thou shalt not call out a Southern Baptist preacher's evil actions or false teaching. We all know it, yet we very seldom will we talk about it. 
Calling someone to task, as Paul did Peter, in his hypocrisy will get you completely and utterly blackballed in your denomination, so much so that it will work down through the association that you will not receive help for your church in times of need, either financially or otherwise, and you definitely will not ever progress up the Southern Baptist political ladder, so you can just forget about that. Guess what, folks? I forgot about that the second I heard about it. I don't care. What does the Bible say? That's what I care about. Let's quickly look at what happened between Paul and Peter in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. It'll be on the screen. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Those are some harsh words for a leader of the church, for someone who had spent three years at the feet of Jesus. But yet Paul, he did it. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Even Paul called out Peter for his hypocrisy. Now, I've even seen this kind of favoritism in pastor's breakfasts. Now, now I've gone from preaching to meddling, trust me. I've seen it. Associational meetings at, small, at restaurants. We small church pastors at the time would meet once a month for breakfast. And we were there. We were talking, having a good time. We were talking about where God was leading and messages and stepping out in faith and maybe some joking around. And, and you know what's funny, as an aside, you'll find that in a lot of the churches, God's leading the pastors to the same messages, the same, the same thoughts, the same leaderships, same prayers. Um, and we haven't talked to each other. That's God. That's God. Then all of a sudden... Without a doubt, uh, I'm thinking of a particular occasion, uh, a pastor from a larger church, big church. Here we are pastoring 30, 50, 60, 100 people, and this pastor's coming in with 600 people, and, and he's the big man on campus. And he walks in, and I could not believe my eyes. These men went out of their way to make sure this pastor sat right across from our director of missions for our area. The conversations that we were having stopped, and he became the center of attention. These men of God stopped sharing with each other and giving each other advice and hung the big church pastor's every word. They hung on it like it was gold, like it was gospel. And when he would speak, there was no effort made to give advice, to give what the Scripture says. There was... 
there were men there who had been pastors for over 30 years, but they couldn't speak in this man's presence. He has only been pastoring at that time about 10 years. And in comparison, those men have wisdom. There was many pastor breakfasts where I didn't even speak. I just wanted to hear. But here they are, and they clam up. Those that had been so firm on the Scriptures a minute ago, no matter their experience, no matter how long they'd been in the pulpit, if the Scripture says it, then it's so. They no longer spoke up. I soon found out why. This big church pastor said something, and I don't remember what it was. I tried to bring up a Scripture on it, You know what happened? Where once I was listened to, even though I was the youngest and the least experienced pastor in the room, now I was completely ignored as though I didn't exist because the big church pastor treated me as though I didn't exist, and so they did too. Folks, that is partiality. That is evil being shown in the church. And when we show partiality, we have become judges with evil thoughts. That's what the Scripture says. Don't dishonor Christ by dishonoring other people, folks. James chapter 2, verse 5 says, Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He promised to those who love Him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? Now here James gives his readers the idea that the poor are as important as the rich or those that are held in high esteem. Through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, each and every Christian is an heir of the kingdom of God. Whether they be rich or poor, Whether they be fat or skinny, whether they be young or old, they are heirs of the kingdom of God. Now that said, Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. It'll be on the screen. Not that I speak regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere, in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Too often, we use that scripture out of context. Oh, pastor, I just don't feel like going to work today. But you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That may be true, but Paul's talking about serious in need and serious not in need. And he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And yet we have food in our refrigerators. We have lights. We have AC. We have heat. It's not that bad. We have all, but however, we have all been in spots where we have to decide between eating, paying bills, maybe medications, etc., What did Paul just tell us? The key is to learn contentment. And guess what? That can only come through our faith in Christ. There is a special kind of provision that God has for those that are financially strapped that call on His name. It isn't fun, but it increases our faith. 
We see God's miracles in our time of need quite clearly, don't we? We really do. When you're abased and don't know where your next meal is coming from. I have been there. Guess what? That's the time to double down with God. Not give up on God. Do what you can, but much more than that, trust God. Psalm 37, 25 says, I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. God has a way of taking care of us in these times. When they come, God strengthens our faith as we see him provide time and time again. I was at one church, and I didn't have a secular job because I lost it due to a health concern. And... They didn't pay very much at all. I think it was 200 a week, and I was the only one getting any income. 250 a week. And uh, there were times we said, I don't know where the next meal is coming from. Guess what? They still, food stamps still wouldn't cover us. Still rejected us. We tried. I tried everything. And I said, Jesus, and I know I should have said Jesus to begin with, but I didn't. Learn from me. Jesus, I don't know how to feed my family in tears. Next thing I know, Pastor, I felt I should give you some food. Well, praise Jesus. It's not exactly how it happened, but praise Jesus. He is good. God takes care of His own. James 2, 6 through 7 says, But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? How was the poor man dishonored during this time? Because he was made to either sit in the worst spot during their meals, or he was told to stand and even sit on the floor. Now their floors weren't like our floors today. We have this thing called carpeting. At least it has some, maybe not a lot in here, it has some cushion for your tush. Back then it wasn't like that. They were dirty floors. Yeah, you could sweep them all day long, but there's dirt. There was dirt. The man who was poor in this situation, as James says, should be given honor because he is rich in faith. Toward God. Let that be our attitude as Christians. James reminds them that the rich folks, they're the ones who are oppressing them. They blaspheme Jesus and drag them into the courts. Now, the courts during this time were very often perverse. It was the one who was the most connected or who paid the bigger bribe that got things judged in their favor. They also had debtors prison at this time. Because, you know, this doesn't happen today in our courts, right? There's no bribes, there's no corruption, there's no, no, you know, I'm a big man kind of thing, and and I'm a judge in your favor. That doesn't happen. Never. Did you know that because of this situation... That was happening, even Paul taught the believers shouldn't sue one another. 
but they should meet together with another Christian that both parties agree upon to bring resolution to the situation. We call it arbitration today. And if one can't be found, then perhaps, Paul says, they should just drop the matter entirely. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It'll be on the screen. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one, who will be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. Now therefore it is already an utter failure for you that go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept the wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. Ouch. You could see why Paul had such controversy around him. And lastly, if we dishonor Christ and others, or through others, there's a large price tag associated with that. A very large one. James 2, 8 through 13. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James has said said something absolutely mind-boggling. How do we not dishonor Christ in dishonoring others? And he quotes the second greatest commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Luke chapter 10, 25, And behold, a certain lawyer, had to be a lawyer, stood up, and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered, and he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. Let me ask you a question. Can you do that perfectly? Can anyone do that perfectly? Well, the answer is obviously no. That's why we need a Savior to remove our sin. Now, when we look back at our main scripture here, in James 2, 9, it says, but if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Showing favoritism is a sin. 
Capital S-I-N. But someone's going to say, Pastor, everyone does it. It ain't, it ain't no big deal. Let me say something that your mama probably told you a long time ago, brethren. If everyone jumped off the bridge, does that mean you should too? Somebody's going to say, when you say something like that, what you're saying to the God of the universe is, God, everyone sins, it ain't that big a deal. Um, yes, yes, it is a big deal. Because he said so. He said don't, so guess what? You don't. He said do, and guess what? You do. Even one sin is enough to send you to hell. James explains this to us in the following verse. James 2.10, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will judge by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If you are guilty in just one small part of the law, you are guilty of all. Well, you're going to say, Pastor, that ain't fair. My answer is, well, I ain't God. He said it. You got a problem with it, take it up with him. As Paul said to the believers in Rome, Romans chapter 9, verse 19, you will say to me, therefore, why then does he still find fault for who can resist his will? But who are you, a mere man, to talk back to God? Will what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? But thank God that we will no longer be judged by the law. We are judged under the law of liberty in Christ. A new covenant, a new law, which in all honesty makes it even more egregious for us to show favoritism. Did you know that? Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have been regenerated and His law is written on our hearts. That's why. So let's make sure we deal fairly with everyone not showing partiality or favoritism to anyone, but giving honor to the least of those around us. Did you know that during this time, and unfortunately increasingly more so today, children were not necessarily taken care of properly or seen as someone to give honor to. Children were seen, especially orphans, as non-contributing members of society and a drain on other people's resources. You wouldn't waste an important person's time having him deal with children. However, Christ's teaching was exactly the opposite. Take the least of those around you and show them honor. Matthew 19, 13. Then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. If you remember nothing, remember this. Don't show favoritism. Don't dishonor Christ by dishonoring others. Because the price is just too high. It may cost somebody salvation. 
How about you today? Where are you in that? Where have you 